0: For a really great future.
1: We're talking real money. Welcome to the show that talks about your dough. Talking real money every Saturday, and we're here to help you. This week, a little different because Don McDonald is uh, getting a well-deserved vacation. The first, I, I think I looked this up, I believe I have it right, the first vacation... Since Jimmy Carter occupied the White House, in all seriousness, he has not taken a lot of days off. So Don is gone. I am here. I'm going to have a guest in a few minutes. But you're out there trying to figure out what to do with your money, how to make it last longer, how to invest it right, how to not mess up with it. All of those questions that come up regularly. So let me give you the telephone number. This is an easy one, I think. 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255. You simply call that number, and we will be glad to talk to you about any topic related to money. And interestingly enough, other than doing this show, my favorite thing each and every week is to sit down and talk with you. Really is. I, I truly enjoy The opportunity of getting to know so many of you, that has been a blessing for many, many years. So this week, I got to talk to a woman who's about 10 years from retirement, and she was referred to us from a client, and she sat down and she said, I just want to be in the program that makes 15% a year. And I said, so do I i just don't know what it is she was kind of surprised because uh, either she'd been given bad information by somebody or has a, a curious set of beliefs about investing but this is something we run into regularly you have a tendency to focus on returns you have a tendency to focus on things that happened recently or in the shorter term when we're going to tell you Those things are irrelevant. Or the meeting with a client that recently said, well, you made me 6% over the last nine months, so I guess I'm okay. We try to explain that you really need to look at longer periods of time to make those kind of judgments. So what do I tell somebody if you ask me, well, yeah, I want to be in the 15% a year club. And a little later, we're going to talk to a uh, securities attorney who sees people that get taken because they believe they can be in a, in, an investment that could make them 15%. So I tried to explain that that is, in my mind, an unachievable return. Well, there have been a couple of circumstances. If you went back and bought Berkshire Hathaway, I believe in the mid 70s and held it for a long time, you made 15% a year. Or if you were smart enough to buy Amazon stock in 1998, hold it for 20 years, and there you have made over 30% a year. Now, remember, you took a lot of risk to make that money but what rate of return should you expect or how do you figure all this out because again oftentimes people meet us and they just say here are the chips you tell me you tell me what rate of return i should get you tell me how this money should be invested you tell me what should i expect and of course what we expect we try to say the look at the past to give us some indication but the future could look completely different And how do you make these determinations? Rather than coming up with a return, I tried to suggest that, first of all, You agree to what goals you have. I mean, if you're 10 years from retirement, how much money do you need to save and make on that money to get you to where you need to be? Warren Buffett, I think, said it very well recently in his newsletter when he said, why take risk with money that you'll need to make money you do not need? So this woman might not even need to make 15% a year. She had no idea what rate of return she needed to, to have on her portfolio. And, and that gets to number two is about having a plan, saying, here's how much I'm going to save. Here's how much I'm going to try to make on the money and how much risk I'm willing to take, to <laughs> how much volatility can I handle, how many days of the market going up and down by 200 points here, uh, whatever it is that makes your stomach churn and makes you feel like I got to do something. And once you get to that point of doing something, as so many of you have done in 2000 and 2008 or 73, 74, if you're old enough to remember that, or 87, that's when you lose because you end up selling and buying at the wrong time. So having a plan. And then here's the other part. You have to decide. It's a little like deciding whether to be a Republican or Democrat. You have to decide what you believe about investing. Now, a long time ago, I decided I just want what the the global stock markets make. I'm I'm satisfied with that. I'm not gonna try to beat the market. I don't need to pick stocks. I don't need to try to make 15% a year. I'll take a globally diversified portfolio and have a few bonds and try to make seven or 8% a year. But that's what I believe. Maybe you have a neighbor who's the greatest stock picker since Warren Buffett. Maybe you have a friend who can tell you, here are the two mutual funds you can own and you can be rich but everybody has to have a style that they believe in. You know we believe in the academic-based approach, but call us and tell us how we can help you. 855-935-8255 That is a toll-free number. Every call is toll-free, but we're here to help you every Saturday on Talking Real Money. I'm Tom Cock. We'll be right back.
0: Tom and Don are talking Oh money
2: if you're sick of investing through an insurance agent or a stockbroker and you're in the market for a fee-only advisor who charges truly low fees and uses a scientific approach to building portfolios for your risk tolerance and need, you should check out Vestory. Tom and I started this firm and it is devoted to educating everyone, total transparency, clarity, low fees, and great service. If you're looking for an advisor, you ought to at least take a look at us at vestory.com. That's V-E-S-T-O-R-Y.com. Or give us a call, 800 386 3004.
1: Your guides to a really great financial future.
0: Tom and Don are talking real money.
1: Thanks for joining us on Talking Real Money every Saturday, here to help you get it all right with your money, whether it's a question about. Paying down your mortgage you had that one this week. What to do with my IRA? How much to save in my four hundred one k? Should I loan money to my kids? Should I loan money to my brother? Well, there's another question. We'll get into that. Eight five five nine three five eight two five five is the uh, the number to call and have your questions answered, as we do every week. And so, what? I Tell you what. This is something that comes up. I, I hope less frequently, although it it still does. I still see. Quite a bit of people, quite a number of you get defrauded uh, in various ways Um, in in all kinds of circumstances. I mentioned, you know, somebody who wanted to make 15 percent a year. Some of it is around greed oftentimes because people say, oh, I can. Here's an easy way to make 10 percent a year. And I don't know an easy way to make 10% a year. Um, and so this comes up and we get the questions from time to time, sort of how to, how do I deal with fraud? How do I avoid fraud? What do I do if I feel like I've been defrauded? So I thought I would turn to the, the best expert I know about all this, the best expert that I know, because it turns out he's my brother too. Uh, and I guess I owe him money, so he's on the program. Lawrence Cock is of Council of Core Cronin here in Seattle, and he's a securities litigator, also does a whole bunch of work around employment law. Welcome to Talking Real Money. Thank you very much. Okay, so what are we seeing out there today? I know, what are the, what are the scams that, that, that you're hearing about and you're seeing? When we could talk about locally Darren Berg, of course, who's maybe listening. And Darren, if you are, please check yourself back in. Uh, Bernie Madoff is in the news again. But what's what's out there right now? How are people getting taken that you're
3: seeing? Well, there are a lot of Ponzi schemes. That continues to be a real problem. There are also a lot of investments which are simply sold using misrepresentations or omissions, and then people find out they have something which is totally illiquid, for example. Meaning they can't get their money. Right. Well, I mean, obviously, one advantage of the stock market is it's a liquid exchange, and you can place an order on Monday, and the transaction will be closed, and three days later, you can take the money out of your account. And a lot of investments, uh, you need to read carefully, because a lot of investments, you don't have a right to redeem, or you might only have a right to redeem once a year, and you have to give notice 30 days before, and you simply want to know in advance whether the investment is illiquid or not.
1: Yeah, this is something, by the way, this comes up a lot when people talk to us, is I give you the money, how do I get it back? Well, I don't think you should put your money into anything that you can't get back right away. Because the whole inference is i'm giving you money that's going that, that i can't get back because i'm going to make more than just being in public markets right in other words i should be making more due to the fact that i can't get my money tomorrow so it's usually things like non-traded REITs or promissory notes or things where the return is going to be higher
3: because it's illiquid would that be fair well the, the way in which a lot of these investments are sold is that you're going to get a higher rate of return. And frequently, one finds that some of the negative aspects of it, such as the absence of liquidity or the risk, is really where lawyers get involved because there are serious questions about whether or not people understand the risks, whether the risks were properly disclosed, what liquidity really means. Um, and what business environment the person who's selling it is operating under because different types of professionals have very different types of duties.
1: Yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about that. If you if you feel like you've been taken advantage of, if you have a question about something, give us a ring. 855-935-talk, 855-935-8255. So, I mentioned You know, the biggest case, I guess, of all time, although I just read a great book about a guy named Ferd Ward who took advantage of Ulysses Grant and really stole all his money not long before he died. But the greatest Ponzi scheme of all time, I guess, is Bernie Madoff, right, who had about 16 or 17 billion dollars of his client's money. They thought it was worth about 50 billion at the end because Bernie had been making the one to two percent per month without a loss. And that was just a traditional deal where people were just handing him the money and he, they thought they were making, I mean, this is, that that was the definition of a Ponzi scheme, correct?
3: Well, it is the definition of a Ponzi scheme, and it's one in which there was the creation of false documents. So Every month or every quarter, you would get a statement, and it would show that you had an investment and that your investment had increased, or perhaps you had received a dividend, so it would show that essentially your investment was level. So and and the good news there is, I mean,
1: uh, Jeffrey Picard, what no, uh, the 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 administrator of the bank, not the bankruptcy, but the the receivership. Receivership, he's gone around and collected a lot of money. I mean, we just looked this up as we were walking in the door. Out of the sixteen or seventeen billion that was taken, it looks like he's collected about eleven billion dollars. That's.
3: Does he get a piece of that? Well, he gets he gets paid for his services, and he has had incredible successes. Although one big part of his success was that there was one uh, particular business that was involved, the owner of that business died, uh, and therefore he was able to negotiate a very very successful recovery.
1: No, like seven billion of the eleven billion, or some big right. part of it. Yeah, yeah. hey, if you're gonna, you know, when you're for collecting, it's easier to get most of it from one place than have to go to several. Uh, 855-935-TALK for anything money-related here on Talking Real Money. We're talking with Lawrence Kock of counsel at Cork Cronin about securities fraud, about Ponzi schemes, about people that get taken advantage of. Bernie Madoff is, I mean, I guess the article yesterday, and this is a little confusing. It's confusing for me, and I'm in the business, but the the headline said, Victims of Bernie Madoff will receive another $504 million proceeds from assets the government seized, after Madoff's firm collapsed a decade ago. So there's different places this money's being collected. That's what I
3: take away, right? Right, I mean, anytime there's a major financial fraud, there are different sources from which people might hope to recover. But I think it's important also to know that the overall recoveries, generally speaking, are not very good or put differently when you've lost principal, uh, A lot of it really is lost and it may take years to recover. Now, that being said, there are these different areas. So there could be a receivership or a bankruptcy Uh, that might generate money from assets and liquidate those and pay creditors and perhaps pay people who had promissory notes or an equity interest. There might be lawsuits against people who sold the product because they have duties to the individual investors. And then there might be class actions against professionals such as accountants or attorneys, uh, or others who provided services to the entity and fell below the standard of care that they were obligated to uh, uphold. And I mean, I think it, it, in the big picture of things,
1: uh, more people get taken advantage of by by the latter part of what you were talking about. The fact that I met with somebody and they told me, yeah, I could, you, I could make you seven or 8% a year. They didn't go out right and steal the money, but the return was nowhere near that because They failed to sort of tell the whole truth. We'll talk a little bit more about that in just a couple minutes. And your questions and calls here on Talking Real Money, 855-935-8255. We'll be right back.
0: Tom and Don are talking real money.
2: Keeping the podcast breaks as painless as possible is my goal. That's why I want to very quickly tell you about the only magazine I've ever heard of that is one hundred percent real investing all the time there's no business news no speculative advice and certainly no lifestyle stuff it's called real investing journal i publish it every quarter and you can get two full years for only 25 bucks at realinvestingjournal.com that's realinvestingjournal.com
0: for your real life and real future tom and don are talking
1: real money Welcome back to Talking Real Money. Our telephone number, 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255. We started off the program talking about uh, making 15% a year. I think if that's your ambition... That's a tall order. I don't know of a strategy. Then I thought, well, actually, I do know of a strategy. You just had to buy real estate in Seattle about five or six years ago. We just learned that for the 17th month in a row, according to the Case-Shiller Index, that we are the, uh, the 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 hottest real estate market in the country. So there's a, I guess you could have made 15% a year easy that way, right? You just had to know when to buy and, and probably sell here sometime soon. We're talking with Lawrence of Counselor Cor Cronin, about... The other side of the equation, which we see, which is people losing money, people being defrauded. um, And and you you kind of alluded to the fact that, you know, more, and in my mind, more of this happens when I meet with someone who's not a fraudster, but I meet with someone who sells me a product that makes a promise that they don't live up to, it does
3: not live up to. Is that something you see regularly? It happens a fair amount. And the securities laws in Washington and other states which follow the Uniform Securities Act are relatively strict and they require that a person involved in the sales transaction sell a security without any material omissions and without making any material misstatements. And so a lot of times that can be the battleground in a lawsuit or a legal proceeding. Of course, a lot of these legal proceedings are in arbitration because nearly every brokerage and many investment advisory firms require you to arbitrate your disputes. They don't allow you to go to court.
1: Which attorney and uh, national best-selling author Dan Solon calls a scam. By the way, he thinks that that system is rigged to be in favor of the industry, not of the investor. I know we don't want to get too far down that path, but uh, so back to all of this. If I get if something happens to me where I meet with somebody and they promise this great return, and then I didn't make it, what should I do?
3: Well, I think that you first need to uh, find a new financial advisor and move your account. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, sure. (laughs) Uh, And a lot of times that person will actually tell you whether they think that your prior professional did something that is actionable. Um, Your accountant might also essentially indicate to you something terribly wrong has happened uh, and that that's a warning sign. And of course, you should consider consulting with an attorney about whether or not you have a claim and then essentially what it would take to bring the claim and what one might hope to recover if you did bring a claim. How much money does this have to
1: involve before it makes it reasonable? I mean, worthy of
3: going through all this? Well, certainly uh, something in the six or seven figures. So a smaller, I mean, if it's smaller than that, then can
1: you bring, arbitrate, can you take one of these cases yourself? Because it's unlikely you're going to
3: find somebody in the legal profession who's going to represent you, correct? You can bring them by yourself, and you do see in FINRA arbitration and uh, also in other private arbitrations, individuals who are bringing claims pro se. Obviously, that's challenging for people because they're not familiar with the legal standards and the defense uh, might have a well-paid defense lawyer who's very familiar both with the procedures and the substantive standards. So that's going to be hard for people, but they can certainly do it. And, of course, you can always complain to regulators. Uh, You can complain to the firms themselves. Every firm has an obligation to Uh, evaluate complaints and then to report complaints on the CRD report of a registered representative or an investment advisor representative.
1: Which oftentimes firms would prefer not to have happen, so maybe they would settle something is what you're saying.
3: Well, if they settle it and it's above a certain amount, I think right now the threshold is $10,000, then it's reportable. Uh, on the individual's report and actually I mean one thing that individual investors need to do when you're considering using somebody for investment advice is you need to go to finRA.org uh, or just do a search on the SEC website and pull up the report on the advisor
1: that's great advice How about some for you call us 855935 talk8255 and go to retiremeat.com just a few tickets left for our big event coming up May 5th in Everett myself Don will be there her Weissbaum Paul Merriman all together retiremeat.com are talking real money in addition
2: to the talking real money podcast i also do another podcast that's very popular over at apple podcasts it's called Money 30 every day i try to educate and inform you about money in a brief two to four minute podcast so check them out at apple podcasts or all the other podcast services or at money30.com reality radio for a
0: really great future
1: we're talking real money welcome to talking real money i'm tom cock don mcdonald out on vacation this week a uh, program note next week paul merriman Long-time writer, advisor, just absolutely great person who's helped so many of you over the years. He will be here to answer your questions. He probably got a couple of topics of his own because he always has his top 10 list. So he'll be joining us here. And if you have a question today, let me give you the telephone number. This is easy, 855 935 talk I I hate those things. So I'm going to go ahead and just give you the numbers. 855-935-8255. Now, you may have heard in the news the mention that Art Bell died. Now, Art Bell is a guy who did overnight sort of mysterious, weird radio for many, many years. I owned a radio station in Spokane where we carried his show. He was once asked... Are people responsible enough to handle knowledge of extraterrestrials? Because there's a whole notion that if the government knows this and they don't tell you that because all these institutions will fall apart if we find out that we're actually originated from little gray men that came from somewhere else. But I ask you the question, because I think this is completely relatable to this show. Can you handle the truth about money? Now, my own brother, who's kind enough to join us on the program today, says, I have a tendency to see the world through rose-colored glasses. Many of you who come and see us about your money have a tendency to do the same, that you can't face up to realities about the fact that, no, you're unlikely to make 15% a year. Yes, you may have to work longer than you believe. Yes, you may have to accept volatility in markets. There isn't an investment where you can put the money in and make a safe 7 to 8%, and that leads to a lot of problems. So call us up. We're here to help you. 855-935-TALK. And let's go to the phones. Bert now joins us here on Talking Real Money. Hi, Bert. Hello. How can I help you today? Well,
4: I, I own a business and I'm a 49% minority shareholder. And last year we decided we agreed that we would try to sell the business to see what it was worth. And uh, went through the process, had a fairly decent offer over uh, uh, about $8 million. And uh, it was just and then he, my partner decided he doesn't want to sell it now. I was just wondering, as a minority owner, what kind of legal rights do you have?
1: That's a great question, Bert. I'm going to refer you to the House counsel we brought along today, Lawrence of counsel at CORE Cronin. Minority shareholders don't have a whole lot of rights, last time I checked, but what, do you, what would you <laughs> say? What would you say, Lawrence?
3: Well... Of course, in any business relationship, the first place to go are the governance documents. So if it's a corporation, then there are articles of incorporation and bylaws. If it's a limited liability company, then I hope that there is an operating agreement. If it's a partnership— Oh, yeah, there is. Yeah, and so that really defines the rights and obligations of the parties. Generally speaking, of course, in the United States, a majority wins— and so it's true that minorities don't have essentially the right to control the entity, but there is a body of law about minority shareholder oppression and the circumstances under which uh, a minority interest holder in an entity has rights that, for which there is a legal remedy. And so that's a whole okay. kind of body of law. So he has to go see somebody to find this out is what you're saying. Well, you do. I mean, uh, really... People need to use lawyers on a variety of occasions. One is before they enter into the deal, because, of course, sometimes you can save yourself a great deal of time and money and anguish by Mm -hmm. consulting with a lawyer in advance. And then the other one is when you have some specific issue and you don't know how to navigate it yourself. And so you're looking for somebody with the right experience and with the right expertise to give you advice at a reasonable price and help you to make good decisions on a going forward basis.
4: Oh, okay. Uh,
1: that's good to know thank we wish you, you well much. thank you yeah that that's i mean but the reality is once you have that operating agreement and it says i think there's a tag along whatever there's there's different there's different things they can put in these things but if somebody holds 51 and you've got 49 you know tell me where the what what could what
3: legal remedy could be taken well the the legal principle when we're dealing with minority, what's called a minority oppression is the reasonable expectations of the interest holders. And so you have to go back and kind of figure out why did people get in this entity? Why did they contribute capital? What are their expectations? And have those now been thwarted by some action by the majority?
1: You've got a question for us. Give us a ring, 835-935-TALK, 855-935-8255. Join us here on Talking Real Money. We'll be right back.
0: Tom and Don are talking real money.
1: If
2: you need help allocating your retirement plan at work, you can get free help at 401-411.com. That's 401-411.com. Your guides
0: to a really
2: great financial future.
0: Tom and Don are talking real money.
1: Welcome back to Talking Real Money, here to answer all of your money questions, whether they're related to your business, whether they're related to your IRA, your mortgage, all of that stuff. And we do it live right here on the air, and we actually answer your questions. You don't have to then call us Monday to find out more. Uh, We do it right here in person, and the telephone number to do so is 855-935-8255. I'm Tom Cock. And uh, I have been the co-host of Talking Real Money. You might not hear, hear me as much because i got to wrestle with Don McDonald for the mic. Don is actually getting a well-deserved couple of weeks off here. He's, uh, as some of you know, traveling in New Zealand. He's driving around, driving on the wrong side of the road. I, wow. In, uh, in an RV or something. So if you see him wave him back to the other side of the road so he doesn't get in any more trouble. So uh, I'm here to answer your questions. Uh, Lawrence Cock of counsel at Cork Cronin, kind enough to come on down and talk about uh, the work that he sees as a securities litigator. And one of the things that comes up a lot, a lot, well, you've heard this a lot from our business in the last few years is only hire a fiduciary because a fiduciary has a legal responsibility to put your interests ahead of theirs.
3: True or untrue? A fiduciary does certainly have that duty. I guess uh, the question is whether or not to only hire a fiduciary. I I think that that's an overly broad statement, and I wouldn't agree with that. How come? Well, because there are securities professionals, uh, broker-dealers that do have a very high duty of care, and frequently the businesses have a number of safeguards for individual investors. I mean, let's just take a simple one. In the broker-dealer world, at a large broker-dealer, there will be part of the organization which is tasked with evaluating investments and deciding whether or not a particular type of investment or a particular investment can be sold at all to an individual investor. And that's a very, very uh, important part of protection. And that doesn't exist at a you lot of You said the small- operative word though, sold. Well, I do believe, generally speaking, that investments are sold to investors as opposed to investors, you know, buying. uh, Well, no, but
1: I mean, but I mean, I think financial advisor would say we place because sold implies like a commission of some kind. They're receiving something for selling you a product.
3: Well, every financial advisor is going to get paid well, and that's how, true. How, how they get paid and what they get paid is very important. An individual investor should ask their advisor, how do you get paid, yeah. who pays you, and how much is it?
1: That, I think that's Absolutely. a great thing to
3: ask in, in any relationship, by
1: the way. Of course. So, how, yeah. What do you expecting? Ask your attorney that too. What were you expecting for doing this show today?
3: Well, you had at to at bring your own lunch. I did bring my own lunch, Man, but tell you, you didn't steal it, so that was good. <laughs> you
1: got that going for you. alright three uh, five eight two five five. 935 He's getting nothing for his appearance today other than a nice pat on the back on the way out. And Dean now joins us here on Talking Real Money. Hi, Dean. Hi. Can you hear me okay? We can hear you fine. Go ahead. Oh, perfect. So
4: I have a uh, about $400,000 in equity in my house, and as a result of a divorce uh, many years ago, I obtained a $300,000 uh, tuition a college tuition loan for two girls, and I'm wondering, how do I roll over the equity in my house to hopefully pay off the uh, the college tuition loans and not have to pay an exorbitant amount in taxes?
1: Well, I mean, you could, okay, so it sounds like how do I access equity I have in my home to pay a debt, essentially, correct?
4: Correct. So I, So I sell the house, and uh, I, let's say I have uh, $300,000 uh, when it's all said and done. Yep. Will I have to pay taxes on that capital gains in order to, before I can pay off the debt, or is there any way that I can uh, make this work, I guess?
3: Well, these questions are really properly directed to your Uh, Your tax preparer, but But, I think that the general rule is if you've lived in the house for some period of time as your principal place of residence, and that might be two years or three years, yeah, short period, then essentially I think that the first five hundred thousand dollars, first five hundred thousand, you don't pay the capital gains. It's not a capital gains. And then the other thing to remember is kind of over the years you may have made improvements to the house, and that gets added to the original purchase price, the basis. uh, and so that essentially increases your basis, and so it's very important for people to kind of track those expenses and you know uh, have right. those available at and the you time want, they sell. And
1: do you want to stay in this
4: home? Well, I don't think I can afford to, and okay. so I'm going to probably end up selling it anyway. Because um, I mean, you could I'm go get
1: it. you could go get a HELOC, for example, and take a certain amount of your equity out that way and pay down the loan. That so you keep the house. You have a HELOC, and there's a lot of HELOC deals out there that are interest-only that that
3: would be very inexpensive. There'd be no taxation in that circumstance. Right, You could refinance. I mean, if you have an existing mortgage, you could refinance the mortgage, uh, take some money out that way. I mean, the other thing is, you know, congratulations on either paying entirely for or helping to pay for the educations of two people, because that is, in fact, a, a great, great investment.
4: Well, they're putting it to good use. Uh, one is an esthetician at Gene Juarez, and the other is a real estate agent and uh, half part-time bartender.
1: Well, that's great to hear.
4: <laughs> well, thank you for uh, that help. And that was a Heloc.
1: Oh, Heloc, uh, home yeah.
3: equity line of credit. H E L O C.
1: Yeah, gotcha. yeah. I mean, I would look. Okay. I think. I think Lawrence raised a great question. Then look at either the refinance or the HELOC, because it might make more sense to refinance the whole note, take a bunch of that money out, pay down the loan. Some of this, by the way, is dependent on how soon the loan is due, what the interest rate There's all kinds of considerations there. Um, and as you point out, after you've been in a home for, a, a, I think it's two years, you get the $500,000 without paying the capital gains tax on it if it's been your primary residence. Well, so, and,
3: and don't forget, the mortgage lenders in part make money by selling you an original loan and knowing that a lot of people are going to refinance, I think, in less than seven years. Uh, and so you also just have to kind of look at all of those factors when you are taking out any loan.
1: Eight five five nine three five talk eight five five nine three five eight two five five. that and by the way this is raises an interesting question uh, about paying off your mortgage i mean this because this comes up a lot uh i think you mentioned once you heard paul merriman say never have a mortgage after you retire and uh, and so and I, I and for full disclosure i'm paying mine down faster even though financially financially we think we're pretty secure saying that it makes more sense to take that money and invest it and have it grow that way rather than reducing a note where, the, in my case, the interest is only 3%. <coughs> Excuse me, and by the way, Don McDonald wrote a great piece about this in the new issue of Third Act magazine. You can go to thirdactmag.com and read that there. So it turns out that paying down your mortgage faster is great for your emotions not as great for your finances. This is, but this comes. It seems to come up a lot, and a lot of people feel like, well, but I'm getting rid of something. I, I feel good. I'll be living rent free. Well, of course, you'll still have insurance, and you'll still have taxes. So those never go away. But generally, you go read the article. I think it's a great one. To be or not to be mortgage free by Don McDonald, Third Act Magazine's recent uh, recent issue. Join us on the program, love to answer your questions, 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255 here on Talking Real Money.
0: Tom and Don are talking real
2: money. We mention 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255 throughout the podcast. But you need to know that you can call that number 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Leave your question and those will be answered in special Talking Real Money podcasts that will appear on this particular site in the future. So give us a call, 855-935-TALK,
1: 855-935-8255.
0: For your real life and real future, Tom and Don are talking real
1: money. We haven't seen as much knowledge in one place since Thomas Jefferson dined alone. Don McDonald, Tom Cock, Herb Weissbaum, Paul Merriman, Rick gregrick all of you at Retire Meet 2018 in Everett on Saturday, May 5th. If you'd like to join us, it's great. It includes breakfast and lunch. It's relatively inexpensive. So please go to retiremeet.com.